you everybody for coming back to listen to another episode of the now of work this is like a podcast host interviewing another podcast host which is which is kind of funny to me <laughs> but i am so excited to talk to debbie tool again of, of symphony talent not that what a terrible intro, Debbie. Debbie is no, so it's an amazing, amazing intro. That is that is an amazing <laughs> intro, Jess. I am so excited to be joining you again and continuing the conversation. And um, and yeah, this is this is yeah. gonna be a, a very fun next 30 minutes of my day. I think so too. And and you you've been introduced to our now of work community in our the live broadcast we do on Fridays, uh, which Jason Averbook and I co-host. But I wanted you all for myself. I wanted you one-on-one -on -one to talk about a couple of things. And I wanted to kind of have a, a new, fresh conversation. We talked a lot about talent, um, job seekers, candidate experience, uh, but that was months ago. And Debbie, things are changing so fast. And so you know fast. Jess, it seems like every single time I'm having a conversation with another leader in the space, we're talking about how fast times are changing. And it's like this, I think this is just the new yeah. reality is that things are going to continue to change at a really rapid pace. And we as talent acquisition leaders, as really just business professionals in general, just need to get used to the change um, and make sure that we're ready for like, what's next, what, what's coming next. Um, yeah. Because if we've learned anything that it's, it's that status quo is just a moving target at this point. And that is a challenge. We see it all the time in our client relationships at LeapGen. I'm sure you see it with the, with the teams that you're assisting in their hiring challenges and their talent problems and their employer brand strategies at Symphony Talent. It's hard to both react and respond when you're sort of like operating on quicksand Absolutely. And get proactive and strategic and future thinking and 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 really yes. have a plan and a strategy so that you're not constantly playing catch up to what's happening, but actually sort of driving and leading good, positive, sustainable change for your business. It, it's hard to do both. It is. And right now, especially, we're challenged with two kind of compounding issues. We've got one that there is a labor shortage, that there is this massive churn of talent. Um, and it means that we are asked to do more recruiting than we have in the past. And right now there's also a shortage of recruiters, right? So of course we're always asked to do more with less, but that's even more so the case right now. And it seems incredibly hard across industries to recruit talent. Um, at the same time, we're having to relook at what our company's cultures are. And we use that as a recruiting tool when we talk about employment brand and we talk about recruiting strategies, it's you know selling this reality of what is your company culture and what's it like to work there. And that's changed dramatically over the last 18 months is we haven't returned to the workplace yet. We're all still sitting in our living rooms, right? Is there an office to go into sometimes, but most companies are not requiring a full back to the office right now. And so we're trying to gauge what is our company culture? What's our short-term version? What's our vision? What's our long-term vision? That's a little bit up in the air. And so we've got this really fluid employment brand that we're having to leverage to recruit talent that's harder to recruit. And so it's a big, big problem. Um, and challenge that all talent acquisition leaders have at the, the front of their, their minds right now as they're looking at what does 2022 look like as we're going into planning for next year. 
Yeah, you're right. I think everybody, everybody thought of fall and back to school as parallel to return to office. And it be a reset to normality. Yeah. And we're sort of, (laughs) and we're sort of delayed in all of that because we still haven't vaccinated school age children and we have the Delta variant and we have you know, the great resignation, which, you know, those, at least I'm seeing a little bit of this, those employers who did make bold moves and big statements around, actually the doors are open again, and we expect you to come back. The response was, actually, I quit. (laughs) Like that doesn't work for me because I still have too many variables. I still have too many unknown factors uh, and, or I don't, I just don't want to do that. I've, I've learned how I can be most effective, how I want to work, how I want to balance my time. I don't want to do that commute anymore. I don't want to go into that office anymore. Um, and so, you know, so, so yes, there are a lot of challenges. I had, um, I had an opportunity to sort of look over somebody's shoulder, one of my colleagues who was reviewing exit data, exit survey data, um, 5,000 rows of data, because this is a very large multinational employer who gave us this huge data dump about who's quit and why. And their ask of us is, okay, so how do we keep more people? How do we stop the bleeding? And how do we recruit faster? And I'm like, this is not my project. I haven't like, I, but I can't help but look at the data. It's terrifying work from home policies, new policies around work from home or office expectations, culture and manager issues. I mean, just rows and rows and rows. It's like terrifying data. It's like, oh my God, these people need some culture help. Um, But yet their response is help us recruit faster, stop the bleeding and, and shovel people in the door faster because we can't grow our business without people. Well, that's a pretty obvious statement, but recruit faster is not the answer when when these environmental factors exist. Are you seeing that? What are you seeing? Does that surprise you? It doesn't surprise me. And in fact, I think we talked about this when I was on with you and Jason of like, you know, the the analogy of you're at the beach and you've got the bucket and there's a hole at the bottom of the bucket and you can fill the bucket up all you want, but it's still coming out the bottom of the hole, right? And that's what we're seeing right now. We're seeing we need to recruit faster, but if you haven't figured out how to fill that hole in the bottom of the bucket, um, then it doesn't matter. Right. So yeah. we do, we get it right. Businesses have to grow. They, um, there's a lot of investment right now in the market and there's a lot of growth from a lot of industries. And so we've got to sustain that growth and that means recruiting, but you can't avoid figuring out and identifying, you know, what's the hole in the bucket and how do we fix that? Because if we don't do that, then all of these people that we bring in are just going to keep going out the bottom. Um, and, and so I'm not surprised to hear it, unfortunately. Um, in fact, I love going to LinkedIn every day and it seems like it's just, I got a new job. I got a new job. And then there is the occasional, you know, glimmer where you see people sharing where their employers have been empathetic, where they have been able to listen um, to what the challenges are that they're hearing from their employees and start to solve for it. And those employees are the ones that are out there talking about it and saying, hey, look, my employer did this, or they helped me here. They're listening and figuring this out. And and not always at a systemic um, way, but at least at a hiring manager level, 
And I think we've got to figure out how to get that more systemic. How do we infuse that empathy? How do we listen to our employees and identify what the problems are to be able to solve for it? And then in turn, be able to then go out and recruit. But it's, it's an easier said than done thing, um, but it's something that we're definitely hearing out in the market and we're solving for day in, day out with our customers is, you know, we do for, for those who are listening that, um, that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting at Symphony Talent, we focus more on the talent attraction piece. And so the recruiting piece is really where people come to us and say, hey, help me build out my employment brand, help me build out my recruitment marketing strategies, um, help me in filling that bucket. Um, but you've always got to identify that, like, we've got to figure out, you know, what are the holes? How do we fill those before we take that out to the market to make sure that we're authentic with who you are as an employer? Yes, because all of those brand promises need to ring true. They Absolutely. need to ring true, or you're just going to have retention and engagement problems. You're just going to, it's like playing whack-a-mole with your problems. <laughs> like, yes. Okay, we're hiring faster. We have people coming in the door, but now we have different issues. I'd love you to comment because of your experience, which I know very well, because of your experience, I'd love you to help people understand. We, we hear this inquiry a lot too. We like to race to tech. Like, how are we going to solve this? I bet there's tech. I bet there's a, a tool, an application. I bet there's a bot for this. And that might be true. Adding candidate experience layers, candidate attract, you know, things to help with that attracting process and that conversation that needs to happen. Um, and speed to talent is huge. That's what people are most worried about. How do I get in front of qualified talent faster so I can make an offer first because it's competing offers. It's, you know, it's all of this craziness that's happening in the hiring space. And so again, tech can help, tools can help with speed to talent. Again, all of your brand promises need to ring true, um, but don't forget experience. Don't forget relationship building and creating an experience because talent is not throwaway talent. Speed to talent, and then who you can shovel in the door fastest. And then what do you do with like the leftovers kind of thing? Like, I just wanna beg people in this hiring craziness that's happening right now, Yes, tech can help you set things up in the right way. So you're building true relationship, true community, building a beautiful experience that continues on when they become an employee, but like, don't just slam tech in the door. Can you comment a little bit on how technology, how systems like yours can help, can help, but, but with like, please take caution. <laughs> There is so much to unpack there, Jess. I know, I know. Really Sorry. Good um, <laughs> no, let's start with the experience part of it. Um, because that's where, if you are listening and this is your problem, this is where you should start, right? Um, it is it's sometimes mind-boggling how few of our customers go through their own hiring experience. Um, take the time to actually put themselves in the candidate's shoes and walk through that experience. Um, do it yourself and then talk to those that you've recently hired and ask them how their experience was. And not just how was your experience, but let's dig into it um, from your first communication with us to getting hired. How long did that take? How many interviews did you have to go through? What were the frustrating parts of that process? Where did we really shine? And starting to identify where the experience is really working and where it's broken. Um, that is kind of step one 
to fixing the experience um, and then start to really understand, okay, if these are where our bottlenecks are, how do we relieve those bottlenecks? And sometimes that might just be process. Um, and sometimes it might be, okay, maybe there is a tool or a piece of technology that can help us alleviate this bottleneck. Do we have anything that we already have acquired or already have a license to that we could try to apply to fix this? Are there current vendors that we could work with to try to solve for this? That's gonna be the easiest kind of go-to-market quick speed to get something deployed. Um, and then if you identify, nope, we don't have it internally, we need to remove this bottleneck. Now let's go out to market and take a look for that type of technology um, and, and really ensure that you're doing your due diligence that this is truly going to solve the problem and that they've solved that problem for other people and, and really getting kind of community feedback to it. So for example, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we see um, is in scheduling interviews. It's a very tedious process, um, a lot of back and forth, calendar management. It's not a value add. You're not building any rapport with a candidate in that process. So it's a really easy place for you to infuse technology to solve for that. Um, and there's lots of great technology out on the market. Yes, of course, we have ours, but, you know, there's, there's, there's other technology out there, but that's a great area where you can say, okay, this is a bottleneck. We're losing people because we're having to reschedule interviews and it's taking too long to get back to them. Or we're, you know, trying to do a phone screen and it's taking too long. Like let's, let's go ahead and automate that piece of the process. Um, another area that you just touched on, we're recruiting like crazy right now. And oftentimes we're still using just an applicant tracking system. We close out that requisition and out of our 25 applications, we made one offer and we've got 24 that we're just letting go. We're not even considering them for other roles. We're not considering them for other areas of the business. And we're definitely not staying in contact with them for, you know, the future opportunities. So you know, it's, it's things like that where we can say, okay, if we had a CRM in place, if we had a place to put these people, mm -hmm. then we could, you know, really easily use technology to look at, are there other, you know, roles that would fit this candidate? Do we have past applicants that we can reach out to? How do we nurture these people so that next time we do have an opening, they're ready to go a lot faster? Um, and so these, those are some of the areas where we can just get better as an industry. But uh, again, it's, Let's start with looking at the process and identifying what is our experience, where are we ex excelling, where do we have challenges, and then let's let's tackle those challenges one at a time to fix them. I've always I've always thought, um, and I'm not the first to say this, but I don't know who to credit for this idea. The idea of you know like a kind of a product management mindset around experience, and if you adopt a project, I'm sorry, a product management mindset around experience, then you begin to think of in this case, opportunity is a product. Your mm -hmm. job opening is a product. And the potential job seekers who would be interested, attracted to that, qualified for that are your consumers. And if we thought about things in that way, I think about the experience I have as a consumer. If I click on something in my Instagram feed because I really liked those boots and I never looked at it again, or even if I carted something, and then I sort of just set it near your phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of forget about it. Like I was probably pretty close to like 
looking, you know, maybe it wasn't even in my cart, but I had to abandon for some reason. I cannot tell you how good <laughs> these, this return, it will come back and nudge me. Are you sure you don't want to buy these boots? I saw you looking at this page, <laughs> like how good consumer marketing They're so good. And, yes. and all of that technology is. Can you imagine if somebody came to your, not even to your career site, but if you're an employer and somebody comes to your corporate website, your consumer site, um, can you imagine if you started pinging people to say, hey, did you know we, we're, we have 56 job openings right now? Would you like to take a peek? Like we, we literally don't think about opportunities in people in terms of product and consumers. And if we did, I think we'd be a lot smarter about things. 100% Jess. And I, some organizations are starting to make that shift. Um, I think those that are more progressive are. You know, we are moving from what, you know, when my parents were in the workforce, you know, my dad was a, a IBMer for life, right? He started at IBM, he retired at IBM. My mom worked at the same hospital her entire career. And that's just not the case anymore. And the stats of longevity have shortened year over year of how long people stay in their roles. And so we do have to start looking at it as more of a consumer purchase uh, because, it's not a one and done with talent anymore. They are moving. Um, the idea of alumni and boomerangs and people shifting in and out of employers is becoming the reality, especially as we move more towards contract labor and these, you know, other forms of working. Um, we definitely have to shift that mindset to exactly what you were talking about and even taking it a step further, right? Like, Hey, Jess, you liked these boots. You never actually complete, completed that tra transaction, but you're obviously looking for boots. So how about what about these boots? Do these look better these? for you? Or, you know, maybe promo code. Can we yes. have <laughs> oh, by the way, they're 15% off today, right? I mean, yeah. those are the types of um, kind of retargeting and advertising strategies that we do have the ability to put in place within talent acquisition today. And we can be more strategic about advertising spend and we can use analytics to get really granular um, with how we advertise and where we advertise that we haven't been able to do before. And I think we're starting to see this shift of talent acquisitions leaders saying, okay, I don't have to and I mean, I'll, I'll put myself out there. I worked at Career Builder for eight years. I get it. Like, right. But we don't have to go to Career Builder and Indeed and LinkedIn and just hand over our budgets anymore. We can say, hey, look, I've got, you know, a certain amount of budget. And I'm going to let my analytics determine where I'm advertising. And I don't need human interaction to do that. And it's going to look and say, okay, based on past performance and what we know you need volume-wise to make a hire and what channels we've seen work for you and others, like the technology can do that for you. And it can go out and start to say, okay, you looked at this job, you should get this job. Let me re-add or like, let me retarget you while you're on yeah. these other sites. Let me send you an email. Let me send you a text until you can convert. And these are new tactics that, you know, we are implementing for customers. We are seeing more and more people do. And the more savvy we get to it, um, I think the better off employers will be in being able to win that war for talent.
Absolutely. And, and I think the future, there's a few things that, that, that have been trending since this pandemic uh, started, and I, and I love it. I'm actually here for some of it, which is the mobility of talent. The talent mobility is not a bad thing. I think some things that are happening probably needed to happen anyway, but we just thought about them the wrong way. Job hopping, we call it job hopping, like it's a bad thing, but but talent feeling like they have agency over themselves and their own development um, is not a bad thing. We've just made it a bad thing to say, what do you mean you're not going to work for the same employer for life? But employers who really think about the mobility of talent and talent acting on their own behalf, having agency over their career, capitalize on that by building internal mobility um, structure, infrastructure and mechanisms so that, yes, allow talent to move within your own company. Some of these companies that both of our organizations support are multinationals. They could be small countries with their yes. own employee population. Please do something with your citizens. <laughs> like, and so if you can create that infrastructure to allow people to build and develop and move around an entire career inside your organization, they don't have to leave you. They can get everything they want inside your organization. You just haven't made it possible. And yes, I agree with building alumni networks and, and your own talent networks and staying in touch with, with people because you know that they'll come and go. If you stop thinking about that as a bad thing and actually let it work for you and build structure to support, you know, sort of those ongoing conversations, people who follow your, if, if you're an admirable, I like to talk about craveable brands, but if you're a brand that people like and resonate with as an employer, as a consumer, as a as an organization out in the world doing good things, you create brand following and they can be consumers and employees. And sometimes they'll be both, but you want both. And so like, think about that and the way you talk to people and put your, your brand story and your culture out there. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and you, especially now that some of the barriers have been removed in regards to, you know, you don't necessarily have to relocate to, within an organization anymore to be able to move, you know, between, um, you know, business units or between brands within under, you know, an umbrella. Um, it's an even better opportunity for employers to say, okay, let's focus on internal mobility. Let's focus on our internal talent, how we develop that talent. And, you know, one of the, the, I think we might've actually talked about this when I joined you guys on, on the Friday chat on the meetup, but one of the things that I think is really interesting is, is who owns that, who owns internal mobility and mm -hmm. the fact that recruiting oftentimes doesn't have a piece into internal mobility, right? So if, if I'm working requisitions, don't you think that I should be able to recruit our internal talent or have visibility into our internal talent. And I think that's a big barrier that organizations need to look at and say, okay, how do we do that? How do we give our recruiters access to our internal talent and shift their mindset to think internal first? Who do we have that could fit this role before I look external? And I'm not saying that, you know, hey, let's go post it on our internal job board for three days and see how many applicants we get before we post it external. I mean, like actually looking at who do we have that we could promote into this role? 
and starting to change the perception too of like somebody needs to be in their role for three years before they move, you know, no, if they're doing amazing in their role at a year, let's go talk to them about what else they could be doing. Because if we don't do that, if we're scared to do that, they're going to leave for another opportunity. And that's just reality. So we've got to shift the mindset of how we look at recruiting internally. Definitely. And recruiting, the other word for recruiting is talent acquisition. And we only think about it as talent acquisition, acquiring talent. and ta- net new. Both, Yeah, net new. When in, in reality, talent, when you make talent decisions, it's build, buy, or rent. Is this a temporary uh, contract, gig, you know, freelancer that can come in and serve a specific need as, at a specific point in time? Can I build and develop? Can I, can I groom people in the organization to serve the future needs of the business? Wow, that would be inc- an incredible evolution of how we think about developing the workforce for business growth and sustainability. That requires skilling people. That requires career pathing and development and succession plans. And we're kind of not that great at all of that either. And then, and so our our easiest answer is, I'll just go out and hire them. <laughs> that new. That's expensive too. And these days, it's really expensive. It is. Talent, talent is incredibly expensive. So yeah, I agree. It's it's too we're too siloed. We know that in our HR, in our people functions, and and even within talent acquisition itself, we're too siloed. Well, and um, I think we're starting to see that it it doesn't matter the amount of money that you throw at it right now. Um, we're still not able to fill those roles. And so I, I'm hoping that it will be the catalyst that really makes organizations take a look at, okay, if if we can't throw money at this, what do we do to fundamentally change it? Um, and it, I think it's a really great opportunity for organizations. I mean, that, that it's a great opportunity for us to revisit it. The challenge is, do we have the time to do it, right? Um, and that, that's where I think it's, where the rubber hits the road and finding great partners that can help you come in and do that is a great way to do it if you don't have the bandwidth internally. Oh, I love it. Debbie, thank you for coming back and talking to us. We need to make this like a routine, sort of like what's going on with I talent. I do. Ne- next time, like with a glass of wine and then we can like get all your listeners with some wine too and just like have like a attic chat of some sort. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, everybody needs to follow symphonytalent.com. Debbie hosts the Joy podcast. You've got the Joy Roadshow. This is where to go for information and sort of just what's happening in the world of hiring and and talent these days. So Debbie, thank you so much for being on our podcast, The Now of Work, and uh, have fun picking up those little kiddos of yours. I'm going to go pack a race bag, and we're going to talk to you again soon. I love it. Thanks so much, Jess. Thank you. Bye.